Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Women in Confidence, the podcast for ambitious working women. And we are now on to episode 54 and we should start by saying uh, Happy New Year because this episode will be going out in the new year. So welcome to 2023 and also welcome to Grace Zielinski who is joining me today on this episode. So hello Grace, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And we're both in Melbourne. So that's quite nice that we can actually be in the same time zone, being in the same city. And I should point out we've actually met as well. So which is lovely. Been awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get going. So Grace is currently the Director of Technical Operations of Vic Roads, but we're not going to talk about that too much. Um, Although it sounds like a pretty important job. And as this podcast is about working women, we'll absolutely touch on that because I like to talk to amazing, powerful women in positions that, you know, some people are just not used to. And I would say, Grace, actually, your job as Director of Technical Operations is perhaps a bit extraordinary for women. I don't know. Am I just making my, am I making that up? Am I putting my biases in the, in the way there? No, not really. It's um, interesting, actually, when I took the, took on the role, the CIO actually mentioned to me, said, you know, having seen all the work that I was doing on my LinkedIn um, socials and things like that around women and their health mentioned before I took on the role saying, you do realize this is a quite a male dominated organization. And I just wanted you to know that before you actually, you know, think about taking the role on, but, you know, definitely want more women in the, in the organization in, in IT. So I thought that's really quite telling that, um, one, the fact that he was himself very aware about, that you know the lack of diversity but also you know caring enough to actually bring it up as a it might have been an issue for me but absolutely it's not because it's about you know attracting more women into into those roles and into that industry yeah and with the technology and the IT is that something you've always done or was that something you've got into later in your career um, probably a bit later in my career I actually started off in um, the tourism industry and uh, did a business degree first but um, I think just naturally born to solve problems and be a bit more analytical and and that sort of stuff that was attracted to to the the industry when particularly when the dot com boom now I'm showing my age was um, you know really launching and it was like the next big thing this World Wide Web um, that's when I sort of stepped into into IT and I did a post grad and and it's been my career ever since. And I, how do you cope in that male dominated? environment is that something that I mean I don't think it's unusual actually I don't think male-dominated organizations are pretty common but how do you navigate your way through those well you know what I think the thing is I never saw myself as being different never saw my being female as an impediment and I don't know if that was just naivety but you know obviously I, I came you know face to face with certain biases and behaviors and you know, I've walked, worked in very male-dominated um, industries and seen some really bad behaviours, but I have, I guess, always managed to find the support around me that enabled me to, to you know, move ahead and progress and be protected from a lot of that sort of stuff. I mean, there have been moments where I haven't been protected and it's been pretty awful, but um, generally I, I kind of never really thought to myself that, I was any less capable than a male. Well, let's talk about your journey through the menopause and the reason why we're talking today and and why or how, sorry, your journey has led you to help other women now and to start to draw together 
lots of information and support other women who perhaps are uneducated about the menopause. And I think that that is very common. Um, so let's talk about that. And how did you, how was your journey through the menopause or journey still going through the menopause? Still going. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that I started to notice these things changing. Um, obviously, um, I was in my mid forties. I just, you know, I had a five-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. I was in the midst of work, you know, working full-time, parenting, you know, being the primary carer, running the house, just had a lot of these pressures. And I thought that, that that's just normal of being a, a working mum. But then there was this constant um, changes in my in my health and in my mental health in particular that I started to notice. And I, and, and I just had no concept at all that I was even in the beginning stages of perimenopause. I didn't even know what perimenopause was, to be honest, at 45, but I just noticed that I had started to have all these changes and it was starting to impact so much, much of my life, particularly at work, you know, this constant tiredness, the forgetfulness, the, the mood changes, those were probably some of the things that I kind of noticed more than the physical symptoms, like, you know, the sleeplessness, the, the, you know, night sweats, which I thought were just related to maybe I drank too much last night, <laughs> you know, too much wine to get a bit hot, uh, can't sleep. But, um, but those st- things started to impact. And um, at the time, I also, I was already, I was already on antidepressants for uh, PTSD as, uh, as a result of, a, you know, funnily enough, a bullying incident that I experienced in the past. And I just thought, you know, even though I was in a really great environment, I had a really supportive um, network of people, I loved my job, all those sorts of things, I started to feel like it was, I wasn't able to manage that that part of me. And then I started to, to lose confidence because I was forgetting things mid-sentence, you know, I'd be presenting, like I just remember this one time I was presenting to the senior executive of where I was working and and I just rushed through it. And then at the end, I just thought they were just looking at me as if like I was talking another language. And at the end, you know, I think a day later, so they sent someone to come and talk to me about coaching me. And because obviously I had completely screwed up that presentation and they had no idea what I was talking about. And then they were sending this person to say, look, you know, I'd like to coach you in how to present to senior exec when I had been doing it for, you know, five, five or six years and more, and more senior than them as well. So I was just horrified, absolutely horrified. And that completely knocked the confidence and the wind out of me. And so I just, you know, I just kind of realized that something wasn't quite right. And I didn't really know exactly that, what that was, but it was, you know, I thought was just maybe I'm just more depressed and I need, you know, I need something different. But then I think what happened was that the I started to get the hot flushes. And this, you know, this was, you know, as years went on. And I started to get all those typical symptoms of menopause that I started to put the pieces together. And I managed to um, take, I took a redundancy from um, AGL and I took that time to actually focus on my health, thinking, well, what can I do to support myself? Because I was in no position after leaving to actually go and find another job. My head was not in the right space. I felt like I can't do a job. I can't even remember people's names. I can't, you know, 
I just can't function at that level that I used to be able to function at. And I thought maybe that that was going to be what I was going to be like for the rest of my life. Um, but I had to deal with all the other sort of symptoms of, you know, um, the sort of sleeplessness and the, the hot flushes, the um, all those sorts of things. And so I started this journey to actually look at what menopause was like I had no idea so I started to research and get an understanding of what was actually happening to my body and I was completely blown away about how little I knew about my own biology like the the reasons why you you know you have these hormones what they actually do what it means to be perimenopausal it's not just about you you know you stop ovulating like who cares about the eggs the eggs aren't important unless you want to have children right it's the hormones that basically keeps your whole body together, your mental health, your sleep, your, you know, your, all your health outcomes is around, centered around all these hormones. And then, you know, I'm started to learn about, well, okay, well, what lifestyle choices that I'm making are actually impacting these hormones, you know, you know, during this time, it was it just opened up this massive, enormous world of information and understanding. And I thought, how could we not, how could nobody tell us as women, like we learn about, you know, reproductive, um, a reproductive system and how to have children. And then when you have, you know, when you're pregnant, you go to classes, so you know, what's how to give birth and all that sort of stuff. But when do you go to a class to say, oh, guess, you know, this is going to be this time when your hormone um, levels start to drop because your ovaries will stop producing these hormones. Your, you know, your periods will stop. It will impact you in about they all these ways. There's 30 something symptoms. It lasts for seven and a half years, usually the perimenopause. It can impact you in all these ways. And here's the things that you need to think of if you want to um, support your health during that time and what other support is out there. I just knew nothing. And it was really hard to find. Like I was, I, I mean, I now there's this massive, I guess what I found is a massive um, uh, movement now that I've just kind of gotten, you know, right on the back of the wings, I think, rather than the tail, because as I was learning and trying to find information, things were starting to to come out, particularly out of the UK and the US. These incredible women are starting to, you know, spruik the same messages that I, you know, that I'm starting to spruik now. It's like, come on, girls, we really need to talk about this because we're doing ourselves no favours by keeping it in and and hiding these symptoms and the fact that that we're going to be impacted. And and we need to talk about it in the workplace because it has a massive impact on 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 us and our confidence and our ability to perform. And all we really need is support. And what does that support look like? Let's talk about it. It could be different for every woman. But I felt a real need to basically share my story because I find it, and I have found it when I, since I've shared it, so many women have just connected with me and said, oh, my God, I felt exactly the same way. I, that's how I felt in the workplace. I felt like I couldn't perform anymore, like I'd become, I'd, I've got Alzheimer's or I've just, you know, and some women have just, you know, completely left the workforce. And I could have been one of them as well. I was prepared not to go back. I said, mm. I can't go back. I've got nothing to offer. I like, I can't even put a sentence together. But as I learned, you know, went through the information and started to make lifestyle choices that served me um, and my health better, that I started to see that there was a real empower, sort of like, empowering moment where I could actually say, you know what, I'm going to accept the fact that I am a woman 
And you know what? I have been nurturing children, family, all that, you know, all those people around me for such a long time. It's now my turn to be nurtured through this period of change because I'm going to come out of it and I'm going to be even better. And that's that's this kind of what I want to impart to women. And I also want to be able to share this information because there's so much of it. And it's just, you know, there's a lot to to filter through. So if I can deliver some of that information, share those stories, open up the conversation and basically tell women, you know what, you need to take accountability for your own health. You, you know, you're going to a GP, getting a HRT patch. Although, yes, I have done, um, have had that um, as well. All great, but you do need to, you need to understand what's going on in your body. And I think that's the empowering thing. Learn about what your biology is actually doing. Listen to what your body's telling you you need or what you don't need. And you make those changes. And, and I think that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm trying to communicate. I have so many questions and I might ask them in a really random order. So you have to yeah. Forgive me. But when you were going through the change um, when you were AGL, and it's, this is not absolute, this is not about AGL and anything that they did necessarily wrong, but what could they have done different or the management done differently to make that process and that transition better for you? Do you think if you'd been given that support as well, you would have stayed? Look, I don't think probably would I have stayed. I mean, there were a lot of other factors which would have, you know, made probably the decision to stay. I didn't know what I didn't know until after I left AGL. So maybe if there was this program of that was well and truly before I started feeling like this in terms of having the discussions, being very open and providing conversations, the you know, any support services or something like that before I got to that point, I think, yeah, that would have had a a very different outcome because I would have understood a bit more about what I was going through and the fact that actually there is support and available in all these different ways. But I wasn't I wasn't kind of, it wasn't, and AGL's amazing, was an amazing organisation and they're very progressive in terms of how they provide support um, for their staff and very caring about, you know, individuals and diversity and, you know, that. So there's there was no lack of that culture. It's just that that topic itself was just non-existent. And so I wasn't able to relate to all the other sort of support services and stuff that they were offering, like around mental health or, you know, um, other, you know, women's issues and all all that kind of stuff Mm. because I didn't know. And I think that's the key. So, like, if you start to have that conversation in your workplace and start to say, you know what, this is the age group women go through menopause, this is what it looks like, teaching managers to kind of identify. I know it's very, it's you know, like it is a bit of a sensitive thing you're not going to go up to a female colleague and say oh yes I noticed that you're really moody like you menopausal you know like you can't it's tricky but I guess it's just like a mental health issue right so you know how to be sensitive around it you know what to how to approach it you get training around that you've got support service you can offer that that's um not confronting you can provide, you know, support groups and all that kind of stuff. And I think that if you have the conversation, you educate people and make it normal and don't make it such this stigma about 
yeah, you get, get rid of the stigma so that women can talk about mm. it. And I started talking about it because I'm a bit of a, I like to joke around and just, you know, I'll just throw it out there and I'll go, oh, I forgot that I'm, I'm you know, menopausal. And you can just see people like, well, you know, <laughs> just, oh, my God, don't talk about that. That's particularly the younger ones. Oh, no, no, no. Don't want to know. It's like a, some some disease, and it's and it's not because many people don't understand it. It's just think hot flushes, and you just you get angry all the time, which is part of it. But you know, there's so many more aspects to it. I think you're right. It's not like I work in HR, so I know that most organisations, even really small ones, have great support systems in place, and they've got EAPs. And but I think it is the topic. It's and and the it feels like a difficult, uncomfortable topic, but it it's actually not at all if you've got skilled managers. But for some reason, I think people associate it with, I don't know, what is it? I just can't work it out. Is it because it's it's we're talking about organs in women that are associated with sex and giving birth? But it but going back to your point really early on, that's almost the, the sort of the side issue. It's the hormonal changes and the, the whole physical changes that we go through. So take the ovaries and the womb and all that out of it. Actually, it's just a conversation about I'm not feeling so great at the moment. And maybe it's if your work could actually help break down some of those barriers to say, yeah, okay, it's about my female parts, but it's so much more than that. Let's talk about that instead. I don't know. I just find the topic most people are uncomfortable. At. And I say that from experience that I remember years ago that somebody came to talk to me I was the general manager of HR in a company in the UK and somebody came to me and she must have been probably my age now so I'm nearly 50 and she was talking to me about the menopause and I just remember feeling bloody uncomfortable thinking I have no idea what you're talking about I don't get it and I just sort of put the piece of paper she gave me under a load of other papers and I feel really guilty about it now having now gone or going through this so I think it is, it's just a conversation that most people are like, oh, keep that at arm's length. So I'm really grateful that you're now trying to break some of those barriers down, just normalize the conversation that we can just talk about. Something that is, every woman is going to go through at some point. It's well, it impacts, but the thing is, it impacts everybody, men and women. The men that are around us, that care for us, or that who are our um, peers and our, our managers and you know, it impacts it. No, it, it is a life event, a biological event that happens for half the population um, at some point in their life. And it has, everyone needs to understand it. It's not just a woman's problem. It's not a problem. It's <laughs> a life change, right? It's just a stage of our biological lives. And, you know, it's a time for when we need to be nurtured and cared for. And I think one of the hard things is, and I think probably organizations struggle with it is that, you know, when you're pregnant, you're pregnant for X amount of months. And so it's easier to draft up a policy and a support thing for a pregnant woman or, you know, even, you know, flexible working for parenting, because it's all, all it is, is about providing, um, you know, a space for them to be able to manage their their workload, uh, et cetera, et cetera. When you're talking about menopause or perimenopause, in the average length of time that you can be going through it is seven and a half years, roughly, or 7.1. But anyway, that's a, that's a lot to take on. And if you're, and I'm thinking, of, you know, if I'm running a business and I have, you know, these women, 
I have to provide support for seven weeks. When you start to think about it in those terms, it becomes like really hard to consume and know what to do. It's like, oh, that's, you know, that's a big investment, seven and a half. Do you know? But you kind of like, well, and in my mind is like, is those policies that you already have actually useful to women who are, who are going through it, like flexible work places, you know, ensuring that, you know, you have the right environment that, that ensures that people are comfortable, whether, you know, and it's so you might have it for dis- people with disabilities, you make the, the changes to their workplace so that they are able to work comfortably. There's no difference to someone who maybe requires a little bit more aircon or a fan or a, a whole bunch of different things. So they're all there. It's just this mindset, mind shift to say, well, it's actually not that hard to support a woman going through menopause. I think that probably the hardest bit is is how do you support women to make them feel still valued in the workplace and that the memory loss and the and some of those other things that are a bit more challenging, particularly if you're at a senior level, right? Because obviously you're more likely to be at a senior level in your, when you're older and how that's going to impact your promotional as, you know, aspirations and all that kind of stuff. So how do, I think that's where we, you can probably really start to look at well, what sort of coaching can you provide so that women can still show their best, you know, changing the way expectations at some of those levels in terms of on how you present your work or there's got to be a little bit more thinking creativity and it's very individual as well. So Mm. that's the stuff I think that we're yet to really scratch the surface on. Uh, So I said I'd probably ask these questions in the wrong order, but I want to go back to something you said quite early on about hormone changes, because I think until I met you and had a chat with you, I genuinely didn't know about the impact of the menopause on or hormone releases and then the, the whole physiological impact that has. So what did you uncover about female hormones and going through the perimenopause and the wider impacts of reducing your hormone output? Well, the thing is, like I one, that the hormones are messengers to your brain about what's going on in your body. So it, it, they're critical in terms of functioning of your entire body, particularly around progesterone. Uh, because that was probably where I was suffering quite a lot is around the depression and the depressive moods and 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 that sort of stuff. But that starts to re- you know starts to reduce. And your your ovaries are practically ninety percent of your progesterone is made from your ovaries. And then once your ovaries stop producing it, you don't. That's it. The only other place that your progesterone is going to be produced is your adrenal glands but your adrenal glands primary purpose is to keep you safe right fight flight and that sort of stuff and I had no idea that that was that that was actually what was happening so for me it unlocked this oh wow so what am I and in terms of your adrenals like okay I need those to produce whatever 10 percent or whatever the percentage is of my progesterone to make me happy because progesterone is your happy feel-good hormone and so I'm thinking and then I found out that drinking caffeine instantly turns on your adrenals like it's the one thing that we can do to sabotage um, ourselves is that as soon as you drink caffeine your fight flight mode kicks on straight away and so if it's doing that it's not actually producing any progesterone. It's that secondary function. And the other thing, because, you know, you get this belly fat as well when you start to um, go through perimenopause. And when you do that, 
and you think about the what your adrenal glands do in terms of preparing you for fight fight it starts to say, oh, I need to just, I can't use any fat stores because that's taking too long. I'm going to throw gluc, you know, the glucose stuff as your primary energy fuel. So I'm not burning any fat. I'm just burning your other energy source, your glucose. So I'm thinking, oh my God. So I'm constantly sabotaging myself. And the other thing is that your the belly fat is another um, area of your body that produces estrogen. So if you're reducing your estrogen from your ovaries, your belly fat's going, oh, I can, that's all right. You, you guys, you can, you can stop producing, I'll produce it for you. So it holds on to that belly fat. So it's even harder to get rid of because it's actually trying to provide you with the estrogen that you need in order to function. So it's like this mind, it's like, oh my God, I didn't even know like this simple biology and what I'm doing to actually influence that. So I found that I found that really extraordinary information. So mm. by using that information, I've been able to change some of my own health choices or and you know in terms of diet and exercise and understanding that relationship between what my body is now doing um to improve those outcomes. So yeah, when I drink caffeine and like I'm not, you know, I'm not a saint. I still, you know, do partake in it, but it's not like what I was doing before. I just mm. I take occasionally um, and much better for it. And I'm off the antidepressants as well because that was the other thing I, I, I managed to come off those and really focus on understanding what I was doing to my body and how it was impacting me. And I'm able to manage that through diet and exercise rather than having to have the antidepressants. I'm not saying that's for every woman, but mm. I'm just saying that I found that I found my way through that by just listening to my body and, and reading and understanding what I was doing and the impact it was having as my my hormone levels are starting to fluctuate and drop. And what changes did you make to your exercise? Because you mentioned you exercise, but is there a difference between what you did sort of prior to you knowing about the perimenopause and, and now do you exercise differently? Yeah, I think I do. I I do I do cardio and I do a lot of strength training. So Whereas before I was just really doing the strength training and the cardio is not like, I mean, I just walk. Like, let's, let's just put it out there. I don't do like, you know, I don't run, can't run anymore. I, you know, have uh, incontinence issues from having children. <laughs> so running is no longer an option, but I walk and I do, you know, a significant amount of walking and I, and I just, I don't do a lot. I do like a half an hour, not even half an hour, I do like three main exercises, like strengthening exercises each time I go to the gym and that's it. So I don't overdo it and I don't, and I, yeah, and I don't do, I don't go crazy. It's just, you need muscle mass because when you, as you're losing your hormones and as you age, you you lose a lot of um, muscle mass and you need to sort of keep that to keep your bone density and um, other things, you know, happening for you. And so, yeah, I can't, I did change. I just stopped doing stop beating myself up about it as mm. well because I think the stress of, of oh, having to, you know, I used to have an Apple Watch and I used to watch, oh, I haven't got my 10,000 steps and I would stress about it and, you know, you you would try to like, you know, actually achieve those goals that you set and I've just kind of like, you know what, I'm stopped measuring. I've stopped weighing myself. That was the other big thing that I stopped doing because I think Dr. Libby, she says, you know, um, getting on the scales is only a measure of your self-esteem and I love that. And it's so true. 
because it is. It's like uh, if I feel good, then that's the best. That's the outcome you want. It's not a number on the scale because then it just totally moves your head in the wrong place. So I think I I did some of those changes. So I think I took the stress of stuff off me, like the stress of having to lose weight, the stress of having to exercise a certain way, but I now do it to a level of pleasure. But also I know, I know that I have to, but I don't overdo it. I don't like force myself to do it like this massive routine and I have to do, you know, hours of it and it has to be high intensity. It's not high intensity. It's low intensity. It, it feels right for me and I feel good about it mm. and I don't measure it at all. Just remind me of that quote by Dr. Libby because it sounded so perfect for a podcast about women and confidence. Yeah. So yeah, you're the that you know, getting the scales are only a measure of your self-esteem. I think that's that, amazing. That, that is it is all it is. There is and she's fabulous because she, you know, talks about understanding that your the weight, the the number on the scales is not reflective of your, you know, body fat or anything. It's like because your body just as a woman all throughout the day will change through the amount of food you've eaten, the hydration, your hormone, where you are in your cycle, your this, your that. And it's just like it's it's this, yeah, and it's an imperfect way of measuring whether you're healthy or not. And, you know, health, feeling healthy and feeling good, you don't need scales for that. You can feel it in yourself. I agree. And when you went to see your GP, about what you were going through how supportive were they or how knowledgeable were they I look I have the most amazing GP he's simply just amazing but he lacks that knowledge as well and is but he's very good at trying to find a solution or referral or something like that but just did not have the level of knowledge that you would hope because it's all very symptom-based, right? So you have these symptoms, how can I alleviate these symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and he also didn't put the puzzle together until I put the puzzle together. Mm. But he, he did say to me um, a long time ago that I that I myself is the best person to um, be able to know what's what's happening and what's best for me. And he's always put that power back in my hands in terms of, well, you will know yourself, I can't. Like I'm not in your body. I don't. Mm. I don't know. So he's been very good that way, and he's been very supportive. So you know, I went through moments where I said, "I think this is what's happening. Can I? I want to try HRT." He goes, "Sure, let's do that. Let's do this." And then I wanted to come off the antidepressants. He was like, "Okay, I support you on that. This is how we're going to do it." You know, and he would look for evidence. And he, the beauty that that I love about what he does is that he takes my experience and he puts it in his notes and he goes, I'll remember that next time I meet a 45-year-old and they're experiencing these symptoms because I wouldn't have thought of perimenopause at that age either. So, you know, I'm educating him at the mm. same time, you know, we're working together to find, uh, you know, solutions that help me for the symptoms but also longer term. He's very supportive in me seeking providers, providing, you know, their their methods, etc. So um, I think I think I'm lucky I've got someone like that in my well, team. And I do have a team. I have my psychologist, my GP, my career coach, my like I have all these people that are, are surrounding me who understand where I am in my life and trying to support me through their knowledge and experience. But what I'm doing is that I'm taking, I'm using it's like a like my job, right? I'm there to manage a team of people to solve a problem. 
So I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm managing a team of people to, you know, to help me solve my problem and how I manage my, my health during this period of transition. I think that's a really important message, Grace, is that you don't have, you don't have to go through this on your own. There are plenty no. of people who can help you. You know, people like yourself who've been through it or going through it, you know, your GP, you can go and see counseling, nutritionists. There's so many people that you can tap into. And if it doesn't work, move to the next person. And I think that's a really important message that there are people out there who who will help you through this. So where can people find your community and join your community? Well, it's called menopausewithgrace.com.au. So I just curate a monthly newsletter and, you know, I'm going to build out the community as we move forward. But yeah, it's just a way of, of getting some information that I've find interesting or funny or actually really helpful. I'm going to start sharing some other women's stories about how they're tra- traversing the um, menopause and, and particularly in the workplace because I think that's, you know, I think there's a big issue there in terms of us losing really talented women um, at the peak of their careers just because they're going through this change and they just need a little bit more support. Well, I'll put the details in the show notes so people can reach out to them and then my last question because we are now going into 2023 I don't know whether you believe in new year's resolutions or setting goals I love them but what are you hoping for in 2023 for myself yeah no I'm I'm really looking forward to just accepting my body I mean I think I'm at that point now where I've really just I've stopped judging myself I feel really empowered. I don't, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I'm going through menopause, I've forgotten your name or, and, you know, and I feel stronger than I've ever felt and I feel as though I can be more successful now because I just, I've stopped the judgment and I've stopped apologising for being female and having, you know, these body changes and biological changes and I'm just embracing that in the new in the new year and I'm just really looking forward to sharing that story and helping other women feel more empowered and and you know take that step in terms of taking control of their health and the conversation bring it into the workplace have the conversation build a network at work um uh, you know band together because that's what us women do the best we create communities and we support each other and this is a really important time of your life to start doing that no I agree one of our strengths and we must play to it is the fact that we do we're so much better together as women is our natural strength is to be together and I think yeah I love the idea that you're bringing together this community of people and and educating not only just the women going through it but just the wider population around the menopause and the impact that can have on women so thank you Grace for being on the show and as I said to um, earlier I'm going to put all the the notes and any links that, that people can find you in your work so thank you very much Well, thanks for having me, Vanessa.